0: What is up everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you from a couple of different places on the internet. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Crowdcast. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're listening to us later on Audioly or uh, Soundify. Maybe you're in a (laughs)
2: post-apocalyptic situation where uh, this has been pressed on vinyl and you've built a cult or tribe around the idea of these recordings and there's a series of Justins, Alex, and Pete that are doing battle for domination over the post-apocalyptic universe.
0: Oh, boy. Let's hope that's not uh, happening. Yeah, that would be terrible. Uh, But what is not terrible is the show that we have for (laughs) you all tonight. Let's (laughs) hope so. (laughs) I mean, we'll see what happens. I feel like I've been lost in a maze of my own thoughts here. Oh, What's did you see on? what you did there? Ah, okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that is a good tee-up for our first guest here. We're going to bring him into the stream. He is the creator of Marvel Mazes, a new book that you could probably figure out from Chronicle Books. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Jackson, hello. Hey. Okay. Hello. Hello. How are you, Sean? Thank you so much for joining this evening. I'm very excited to talk about this book. As I mentioned, it's out from Chronicle Books, I believe, right now, and you can get it anywhere,
3: right? You can get it anywhere. Yes, you can uh, check out your local bookstore first, obviously. You can get it on bookshop.org, Amazon, of course, and uh, yeah, pretty much anywhere you can get a book.
0: Nice. Uh, Well, let's, again, people can figure out what the concept is just based on the title of it. But it's so cool and whimsical the way that it's laid out with the mazes. You have this great stuff in the Marvel Universe. You have all these little Easter eggs and things that people can find. So it's not just about solving the mazes. It's about doing a little bit of a a scavenger hunt, I guess you would say, as well. Mm. Um, But I was reading, I think it was in the back matter in your bio, You say you've always been obsessed with mazes. Why the obsession? What draws you to them in general?
3: Um, I sort of got obsessed when I was a kid. There was an artist I liked who did these three-dimensional mazes that I just obsessed over and just kind of copied and did perspective-style mazes and uh, was really into doing that when I was younger. And just it became sort of a doodle form, uh, doing it all along. And uh, really just in the last maybe... 10 years or so it's sort of taken on its own life where i've really uh you know other people have paid attention you know it's like other people enjoy it as much as i do so it's it's just great to share them with people
2: it's so satisfying to yes. look at this book <laughs> it is just it takes me back to being a kid it makes me want to get like like a pencil maybe that i can erase so i can do it in pen yeah. where i don't mess up any uh, you know what i mean
0: you not gotta commit. Real, you
2: gotta go with the child pen, perfectionist. Bro. You are, how many scribble outs do you have in a maze? You it's it's a piece of art.
0: You gotta get it right. Well, Wait,
3: Sean, can always you, in...
0: Can you settle this? Yeah. Actually, are you a pencil guy or a pen guy when it comes to mazes?
3: I I'm a big fan of not using either. I just use the end of my finger or something pointy that doesn't oh. draw on the book because I go back and do them again and again. I just genius you know, they be, just become familiar and like old time revisiting them. So I just you know I don't draw on the book you got to draw on them, maybe make a photocopy or buy a couple this more a books. a professional maze. Yeah, that's
1: what I was thinking. Like you buy one comic, uh, you know, to keep, it'll hold the pristine. Another you can draw on okay, and do some uh, follow the mazes. Um, th- I, when I was a
2: kid, there was this show on PBS uh, uh, called, it's called like The Secret City or something like this. And it was like, uh, it wasn't mazes, but this guy would draw these massive uh, cities and like alien planets and stuff. And this book just triggered me back to watching this guy for <laughs> hours do it. And it's such a satisfying just going through the different little pieces, different corners you've built into all these mazes.
3: I love adding little bits and stuff, especially, you know, with the Marvel book. I can you know do the research and read the comics and be like, oh, this, this would be cool to add. And I know that somebody out there is going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I know what that's about. And then just filling in the spaces. It's really really fun to do the little details.
0: Well, you have so many different locations here in the book. I mean, for those who are watching the live stream right now, we're checking out, you got one of Shuri's lab. There's all most of the major locations I think you'd expect. But how did you whittle it down to the list of what would actually work as a maze?
3: Um, Well, I definitely wanted to keep it... um, You know, I I kept, even though the books, the mazes are based on the comics, you know, I kept it with the heroes we're familiar with from the MCU. And then uh, then we've got some X-Men in there and Spider-Man, you know, and those guys as well. But uh, for the most part, I really wanted to keep it the mainstream folks or folks that we've been introduced to. Um, As far as locations, some of them came up right away. As soon as I started doing research, I knew I wanted to do, you know, Planet Hawk because it's just a cool story and a cool location. There's a lot of neat stuff going on there. Uh, I got sucked into Miss Marvel right away, and I thought it would be fun to do. You know, I knew I was going to do Asgard. I knew I was going to do all these really great Marvel places. And I was like, okay, well, we got to put Jersey City in there just because it's hysterical, <laughs> you know? So, And when I got around and read the books, I'm like, this is a good story. This is a great new hero. And so that was fun to do as well. So uh after like finding the first couple i kind of worked with my editor i knew i want to do you know the um i knew i want to do the iron man cave you know uh, the tony stark cave uh that was a pretty given one and so the longer i went like this one i wasn't sure i knew i wanted to do some sort of avengers i went back and read the Crease scroll war i was like okay this ship is perfect it's you know laid out and it really gave us something to get all classic avengers together you know in Space, so it was fun. Is there this one is...
2: location that you couldn't get in that you were like it was right on the edge? So You're like ah, it's
3: just not quite maze worthy. Um, there were some. I guess there are stories out there that didn't quite fit. um But by the time we got to, to like even like Marvel Zombies, I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, and then when mm. I read the book, this again a great story just busted uptown throw a bunch of zombies in there and oh my god worked. this was fun this was just again i've drawn these kind of planet mazes. Oh, this is ego by the way yeah if you're listening yeah. uh so doing ego uh he's such a bonkers character in the comics it's like mm-hmm. so weird and so awesome and i have drawn planet style mazes before and this just seemed like a great mesh combine the two and it's not really from a particular story it's just fun and like a lot of a lot of the artists have just done their own fan art of this it's like okay there's a a lot to work with here
2: i love the ego doesn't give a lot of um uh, hot takes or emotions often when we see him in the comics but this Mm -hmm. ego is giving us a level of side eye that i haven't seen (laughs) besides pete lepage here in
3: the chat.
0: Well, I'm curious to hear, I mean, maybe using this one as an example, I don't know if this is the best one, but just to throw it out there, taking a big step back, what do you start with? Do you start with laying out the maze? Do you start with the picture and then maze over it? How does it all come together?
3: Um, some of it depends. A lot, a lot of times when I'm just creating a maze without a specific landscape, you know, without a specific location – I'll just doodle right across the page, you know, little buildings and paths and steps and bridges, and it just becomes a maze. And that's part of the plan for something like this. I certainly sketched out, okay, this is, you know, I found a couple of references of the egos I liked. I sketched him out in my sketchbook. So I, you know, and this, I drew the maze around his face, you know, inside the circle. Um, Like for Shiri's lab there, because it has such a strong perspective, like a real 3d perspective that I built my grid for the perspective and then drew the mason side here this one uh yeah this one um so it's it's required the perspective lines but i did start at the start and at the end so i kind of knew i wanted to start with storm floating in the window if she does that i knew i wanted the garage because Shuri's garage plays you know at least in this storyline a big part of it her her tech stuff um and um and i and and of course i love the lab in the film and then they bring a little bit of that into the comics too and then it's just a, a neat story um and then so for like some of this stuff like some of the gear in here i just like well she'll probably have this you know she'll probably have the flight simulator and a telescope and what else would you have as a scientist and
1: there's like you know
0: you know
3: all her energy making stuff
1: so i for first i gotta apologize because once the mazes went up i kind of zoned you guys out and have been trying to solve the maze the whole time (laughs) but um i did hear you say that like you you start at the start and end at the end does that mean you start with the correct path and then kind of add all the incorrect ones or do you just kind of like start the maze and let the kind of correct path to come to you how do you how do you uh do that
3: I definitely let the correct path come to me so I build it and then build my branches going out and we'll decide which one is the most tricky to find for me just kind of flow wise and that becomes the you know the, the path to go to um, sometimes I want to make sure I get to different parts of the maze you know following the path but even then you know the dead ends will go out and wind up somewhere interesting or loop back um, but yeah the maze is built as I draw Oh, is wow.
2: there a I, double? Is there a double black diamond in here? Something that's like <laughs> this one's really going to mess
1: with the people
3: at home. Um, the, 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 the in the book they start easier and then they get harder through the book. So it's the ones towards the end of the book are the hardest.
1: Hey, have yeah. you ever like finished in maze that you thought was beautiful, but then you were like, ah, it's too easy. Oh yes, all the time. Oh you know? wow. So some of these interior
3: ones, like even maybe not dr strange uh the sanctum so much but some of the interior ones i found really simple you know like the hawkeye maze i think is really fun i think it's very simple um this one i think is as tricky as it looks oh yeah Um, uh,
0: yeah for those listening this is a devourer of worlds it's galactus and you got the watcher here and some outer space this looks fantastic for going throughout it's very trippy and awesome you've also got as i mentioned before these little extra scavenger hunty things when you're doing something like that, is that something you do later? Do you sort of draw and lay out the whole thing and then decide, oh, okay. These pieces would be good for a scavenger hunt or does it come at a different time?
3: Um, those are usually added later um, depending Go on ahead. the story. Like for all of these, um, once I realize I'm going to put an ultimate nullifier in all the mazes. So that right. gets added, you know, there's, there's one of those in every single maze um sometimes the the findables are really simple just like some of the characters who are here in the maze sometimes there'll be like a little device or something that I drew just in my doodles like okay that's something that's worth finding you know um like a little sculpture or something that kind of came out as I was creating um and then there's a lot of classics that I throw in mazes like like I have a little pots that I like and little like technical stuff um here this is Sakar with Planet Hawk uh in this actual storyline there's like these floating jellyfish creatures in the air from the comics I was like okay that's a good findable and there's a couple of those in here
1: that kind of stuff do you ever get lost in your own maze where you're just kind of like it's so detailed you're kind of like oh my god what did I do I, kind
3: of did. I, I when I'm creating them sometimes I'll be like what have I got myself into either because I the challenge is too hard Uh, and sometimes I go back and I'm like, okay, this is trickier than I remember, so... I feel like this is the kind of thing that you work on this book and
2: then you finish and then you're walking through your neighborhood and then you're just seeing a dog maze, a barista <laughs> maze, everything's a maze.
3: Yes, uh, that happens all the time. <laughs> so.
2: I got I played Doctor Mario too much in college and would see pills dropping in my front of my vision. <laughs> was, uh, exactly. That recently I've been playing
3: a lot of Control and so I was like, okay, now I'm thinking all these brutalist mazes that I have to, you know, I'll do my my. Control fan art maze.
2: Uh, we have a that's question well. for the comments from Edward Doherty. Did you include a Jim Steranko metaphysical maze?
3: There's no meta- met- metaphysical maze. No, the last maze in the book <laughs> is um, is a teleport maze. It's a Spider Verse maze, so you bounce around all the worlds oh, wow. that did in the Spider Verse stories, and that one's tricky because there are teleports you find and they take you to dead ends and that kind of stuff. So that was probably oh, the trickiest maze. Hard. That was really fun and had a lot of detail. A lot of research in that one, um, and then I think the Doctor Strange one that you know the the left half is the sanctum, and then the right half just kind of goes into all different angles and stuff, more eschery. um And I think that turned out pretty cool
1: too. Do you uh, seek out like real mazes in real life? Like, do you go to corn um, mazes? I have mazes
3: never been to a corn maze. What? Oh, you would
1: love it! It's you like a maze. It. how about Maze in- Mania uh, down in South Carolina? You ever been to that one?
0: <laughs> oh man, uh, it's crazy. You guys are in
2: full Chris Farley mode right now. This this maze book has got you. Yeah, this is uh,
0: <laughs> well, so you've done beyond just general mazes, you've done this Marvel maze book, you did a Star Wars maze book as well. Is there a, another franchise you have your eyes on in particular, oh, that's awesome. or one that um, might lend itself to mazes?
3: Hmm, well, I'd probably jump into pretty much anything. I mean, one of the advantages of the Star Wars. And Marvel's, I love Star Wars and I love Marvel. So they're real, you know, easy <laughs> guests for me. Uh, I could do, you know, I, I'd do a Pixar maze. That would be fun. A oh, big wow. Pixar mm-hmm. so, um, uh, Can yeah, you I suggest it,
0: Doctor Who mazes? Would that work?
3: That would work. I could do Doctor Who, you know. Mm-hmm. That would be fun.
0: Uh, I mean, cool I, d- I definitely, people.
3: and again, Doctor Who is like, I definitely had my period of when I was really into Doctor Who. You know, so anything outside of that, kind of like the other ones, you know, it would definitely involve the research. And I, I love doing the research. I love i love really digging into these fandoms. It's just there's so much out there that I learn all the time when I, you know, get into these books. So, yeah. And uh, do you I've,
0: think if this one is super successful, is there enough there to do a Marvel Mazes 2 potentially?
3: Oh, definitely. I've already listed all the, the locations that I would want to do if I did do it. You know, yeah, I definitely awesome. would want to do like Galactus, a spaceship. Beta Ray Bill Spaceship would be cool. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. condo would be cool. So there's a lot, oh, a lot oh, of things world.
1: like on the horizon that I would, could start working
2: up. Savage Land. Maybe uh, Savage we Land.
1: We had another great question. Edward Doherty asked, uh, what is your favorite mazes from movies like The Shining? Like that. Um obviously Labyrinth was
3: no. fantastic. No, I mean, you know, they just did a lot of neat tricks in there and winding up with the Escher was was pretty cool uh i don't know if you guys have seen werewolf by night yet but that was oh yeah yeah so yes. sweet when they when they pulled the camera up and you looked into the garden and they, they, yeah. and they that, that's for me you know and <laughs> <laughs> show was so perfect so that kind of stuff yeah.
0: man i oh, love that awesome. uh sean this is so cool this is such a great book. really is. and it's on and bookstores everywhere, right? You can get it anywhere at this point?
3: Bookstores bookstores everywhere, you know, and if your local store doesn't have it, ask them, they can order it for you. And of course, any online retailer. Amazing. Oh, Sean, so thank cool. you so
0: much for coming on. This is so cool. I can't wait to give this to my kids. I already sold my son on a copy earlier today. So uh, you've nice. sold at least one more tonight. So yeah, I want it on my to. wall. I want yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I was oh, looking yeah. at your,
1: uh, your original art is also a really amazing... I would worry about it if I bought it, though, because I'd want to write on it, but
0: uh, it's also really cool to uh, to check out. Yeah, Pete actually owns the Mona Lisa, and he did the same thing. He drew all over it. Drew all all over it.
3: He's a big soup thrower. All right,
0: Sean, have a good night. Good talking to you. Thank you you
3: again. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: All right. Oh, there we man. go. Once again, oh, cool. the book is called Marvel Mazes. It's from Chronicle Books. And if you're only listening, I know it's probably hard to get a sense of it. These are so cool. And the uh, and the drawing is so uh, cute is probably the wrong word. But yeah. it's very adorable mazes at the same time while being good for yeah. both kids and adults. It's great stuff. Also, it's a kit uh, as well. Yeah. It's
1: even though it uh, looks huge, uh, it's still inviting. It's not like, oh fuck, I'd never get this. There's something accessible about it that uh, it's that not. It's
0: cute. not like the menu at IHOP, right, Pete? Like you get in there and you're like, I can't do this. This is too can't much. And what are these word jumbles? No thanks. Oh wow. Dude. Uh,
2: I mean, I think we finally found the. Pete was so excited during the interview. Like the comic that has no words. It's yeah. the is the yeah. maze.
1: But like you, Justin, it's, still it's sort just, of an adventure. Yeah, seeing that thing makes me just kind of want to like grab a flashlight, uh, jump in my bed, and try to just kind of like you know sit there for hours and have fun. Like it's just it's there's the the comfort feel to it is really is really amazing.
2: Solvable yeah. problems. That's what it's all. About. Yeah,
0: solvable problems. That's what you need. <laughs> oh, here's another solvable problem. Our who is our next guest? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's uh, uh, <laughs> uh, just for those God. of you listening. I got Alex caught in a maze of eye. my, <laughs> oh, exactly. my own thoughts again. Anyway, I'm going to invite him in here. He is a creator of the Whistling Skull, which is finally coming back. Thanks to Zoop very soon. He's also worked on a ton of other things that you probably know and love that we'll probably talk about. B. Claymore, everybody. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, yes. Welcome. How are you? I'm thanks.
1: fine, thanks. thanks.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. No, thank me. you for. Yes, we did see you. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, thank you for chatting about this. Very excited. So, this is we've had a bunch of super creators on here. Just as a reminder for anybody who is listening in for the first time, this is a curated crowdfunding platform, and the Whistling Skull. This is kind of a a particularly interesting project, I think, because. <laughs> It's uh, B Claymore, who we have on. And Tony I'm here. Harris. Yep. Hello. <laughs> uh, and. First, the, okay. Yes. This is a project that actually was published back in the day by DC as the JSA Files, JSA Liberty Files, the Whistling Skull, and now it's coming back at a collected edition. Um, talk to us a little bit about this. Why bring this back now, and why bring this back on Zoop? Um,
4: well, As you mentioned, it was originally published uh, through DC, um, with DC elements included, Um, even though those elements were Elseworlds elements, uh, which is, for those who don't know, sort of like skewed reality, alternate reality versions of DC characters, um, was not originally intended or pitched with those included. It was a creator-owned thing in its own universe that had been uh, approved long before we... Approved and written long before we added those elements, um, but um, at, at the time uh, it was uh, it was going to be published through Wildstorm, which is a DC imprint, yeah, um, or was a DC imprint, which was the problem because the imprint folded, um, and we knew that it would move over to DC proper, but wasn't sure what form that would take. So Tony Harris, the co-creator and the artist suggested bringing in these elseworlds elements from a book he had created years earlier with Dan Jolly um, that had done very well and was popular, which I thought, sure, give it a shot. But I mean, this is like our own universe, a creator, our own book. That's not going to happen. And then it, it did. They said, OK, so um,
0: <laughs> so then
4: we we, we kind of remixed what we had then and added these uh, JSA. And in fairness, of all the mainstream big two characters, probably the original JSA characters are my favorite characters. Um,
3: yeah.
4: Oh, nice. I'm not even sure why, but... Uh, <laughs> the, the first, well, I mean, it's, I, I, I know that, like, I know when... I, I think I discovered them, like, I started reading comics and kind of discovered them, i say late in the game, but it was probably, like, two weeks after I started reading comics, and they were so... I moved
2: different back then.
4: <laughs> exactly, right. When
2: you're a new comic reader, it's like... This Your brain is exploding every 20 minutes. I know. When I go back and
4: actually figure out the time frame and all this stuff, it's, you know, I mean, five months where the comics was like an entire lifetime as a kid. Yeah. But, uh, I, I had a friend who had these beat up back issues. And I remember he had a copy of uh, one of the seventies all-star comics issues. And it was like, I mean, and, and at that time, this is, you know, pre-internet, pre just everything, you know, all the information at hand. I had no idea. So kind of led me down a road. I became a big golden age Fan after the fact. Um, but um, so, I mean, so I was in favor of the idea. Um, Dan, Dadio, Jim Lee, whoever made the decisions, greenlit it. So I had to remix it and include those already tweaked versions um, into the existing scripts. Uh, and then, uh, then it, it, that's how it went out. And, and they retitled it. It was originally called The Further Adventures of the Whistling Skull, hmm. um, which was. Tony a- a- approached me initially with that title um, when he conceived the book, and I like I like the idea of a new character in a new book, starting with the further adventures. Yeah. Um, although, and it, it had been, I think it had been announced as that before it was published, because it was approved in 2007 and wow. didn't actually hit the stands until um, 2000, the very end of 2012, so it's been exactly a decade, and then 2013, um, but a lot of people, I guess I should have seen this coming, but it seemed to confuse enough people that they went, they were trying to figure out where the character had appeared before, since it was in a DC book, but, um, uh, that's their problem. Um, but <laughs> 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 so, uh, so yeah, so that happened. And then, um, the way all of the creator owned stuff that DC through vertigo, Wildstorm. Whatever imprints um, they've had works is that, and really, this is the only time I can, I mean, that I'm aware of that they mixed in already owned DC elements into a creator owned book. So we had to kind of tweak the contracts a little bit because there's always a clause in there where you can regain the rights to the material you create uh, publishing rights, media rights, everything, if certain conditions are met. So from day one i was aware that if the rights came back to us at some point we would want to do something with them then we'd have to deal with the fact that there were these dc elements mixed in and the revised contracts basically said everything's the same except you can't obviously use the dc (laughs) so um so those conditions were met and, and originally i should say it was a six issue miniseries um and it launched it launched Pretty well um, in mar- you know, in general market terms, through some fault that had nothing to do with the book, it it sort of got and DC. Not speaking so much about DC now, but DC at the time was kind of running through, um, trying things. I don't even know how to you know that was right around the right. new fifty two, mm-hmm. and you yeah, 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 know yeah. that's the, there was, was a lot there of there moves. was a lot of yeah there was a, and as somebody who had been. Working on DC projects, it was very. Let me put it this way: as a guy who was not like a core DC creator, um, but who did a lot of different DC projects, it was sort of a, a kind of shooting in the dark, trying to figure out w- you know, what you might be able to do, be able to pitch, get to, you know where the where stuff was heading. Um, well, that's what so seems so crazy
2: about this, because it feels like, it was like, yeah, I guess we'll give this a shot. Like, it's such a unique, mm-hmm. uh, sort of perfect storm of elements to come together. It's like, because I've never heard of anything like this before.
4: Well, no, and I, I, I honestly, I don't think, I mean, no, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of any any case where it's done. So, so really, the, the conditions that have to be met, I mean, it's not like a trade secret. Generally, it's sort of like, if stuff goes out of print for a certain amount of time. Um, and and the contract was done 10 years ago, and that was right when Wildstorm, they collapsed. The Wildstorm branch kind of became the digital first branch for DC. Right. Right. Um, so, like, I – and I was – because I had been close – I had previously worked for DC proper. I mean, the, like, the first thing I did actually was <laughs> – this is uh, – if, if anybody's out there looking for career advice or what have you, this is a thing don't do. Um, <laughs> when, when DC first approached me uh, about uh, working for them, uh, I'm sure, you know, um, and it was, I, I was dealing directly with Dan DiDio and Jan Jones was his assistant at the time. And he said, we we've never told the story of how Batman met detective Bullock um, so, you know, I, I had done Hawaiian Dick and some kind of stuff in that vein. and he was like, that seems to be in your wheelhouse. Maybe you could tell this story and like a legends of the dark Knight thing. And he said, also, we need filler for the, um, JSA classified book. And I was like, Hey, um, and it was like the only time, like you tell yourself something <clears throat> when you're coming up. And I was like, you know, if I ever get a chance to do a JSA story, I'm doing it. So I, I, think time, I think at the time I thought, I said I'd do it, you know. So screw Batman. Who wants to read Batman stories? Yeah, <laughs> I just treated <laughs> two equally Wildcat popular characters, <laughs> Wildcat and Batman. No yeah, similar think,
2: look. No, no
4: issues. Yeah, I think that immediately put me on Dan's uh, something wrong with squirrel brain list, um, <laughs> which I was on for a long time. But uh, yeah, I bet that's but a in fairness, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> but I did the Wildcat story, and uh, the, the the thing I'm grateful about it is that I was able to bring Ramon Perez in to draw it, who um, has since done – he did a book called Tale of Sand that won an Eisner. I mean, he's a brilliant yeah. artist, phenomenal. Yeah. But at the time, not not because he hadn't – he probably could have done what he wanted to by then, but he's one of these Toronto guys who kind of always wanted to – they'll do what they want to do. You know, i would known it. So I – i proposed him as the artist on it and uh they immediately said his art was a little too stylized which again was kind of a dan thing so uh i i was like hey ramon redraw the characters again and, and he and i knew that he didn't i knew that if he didn't get this gig he wasn't gonna you know fret over it too much mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so he re- he did it and, and they they brought him in dave McCabe did the color and so as an entry as a first story at DC, I'm pretty proud of it. I think it reads really well. Uh, It was um, Ramon killed it. Um, And uh, anyway, but the point is, that was so I you know, my JSA fandom kind of led me in the wrong direction at DC. Um, (laughs) And so and so as a result at DC, and then we did this book, which Tony had approached me about. And I sort of got pigeonholed for a while as well, for the whole time I was doing a lot of stuff there as kind of a retro, uh you know, what I which which is it's fine. It's not fine. It's good to have the work. And, you know, creating your <laughs> own books are always kind of my the thing that I'm most focused on. Um, but I, you know, I I, I think I pigeonholed myself. Um and, and this book probably didn't help in that regard, but because it's it's set in the forties. JSA are characters. Um, but it, it's at heart, it's kind of a pulp noir uh weird like weird in the classic sense which yeah like in the 40s 50s 30s weird would have been a term that people identified as a specific uh genre more than
2: anything you know i mean yeah uh like and to define that that'd be like gory sort of uh, sort of horror adjacent uh, exactly
0: uh, yeah 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 yeah, just for anybody who's never read it and I'm obviously skipping over a lot of the book, but it's essentially like a drippy zombie guy who's driving in a car with a dude who is not night owl, but like looks a little bit like night owl uh, and going on adventures. And there's Nazis that are kind of fighting in the background. There's a lot of different stuff going on there and it's very fun. And like you said, it's wild and weird at the same time. Um, I was curious, this this is a little bit more of a technical question, but now that you are revisiting it and you've got to excise material and put new material in, you're different as a writer now. Tony Harris is different as an artist now. And just on a very technical level, you got to take the that original art and craft things in a different way. What's involved there in terms of pulling that stuff out and putting new stuff in?
4: Well, the advantage we had, <clears throat> excuse me, the advantage I had was that I had written it without those characters initially. <clears throat> excuse me. So, when it came time to mix those characters in uh, six issues, I didn't re re, or, you know, I didn't create a new story, basically. I took kind of the existing story, which was kind of designed to introduce the world that the character lived in the, uh, the tone, the, you know, the, the overall feel. And so what we ended up kind of doing was using those JSA characters in sort of a framing sense and also as a way to conceptualize the larger world he was a part of. Um, But what the other thing about it was that those characters we brought in were Elseworlds characters to begin with. So they were kind of already Tony's spin on existing DC characters, which we then spun back in. And so we had ideas uh, for the larger world. And like we had conceptualized the idea that the skull first of all, he's a generational hero. So that's kind of key to the story is that he's whatever number in line of whistling skulls. And the sidekick you mentioned is uh, his sidekick, Nigel, who he has sort of looked after since they were boys, because Nigel's uh, sort of developmentally uh, slow, slower. Uh, Nigel is um, intellectually, he's sort of stuck around the age of nine or 10. So he's kind of a um, I new I
1: like Nigel.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, my guy. we thought comic comic readers would look up to him, Um, but he's uh, he. So he's the um, he's kind of the heart of the story, but he's also he kind of drives a lot of the action. I mean, we really didn't, you know, we didn't want to make him. um, There's no, he's not comic. We try to give him. We try to make him a realistic character um, with heart, and then the, the the relationship between the two of them is was strong before the other character became the Whistling Skull. Nigel's father was the previous Whistling Skull, and he had known this kind of street urchin who had looked after his his son, um, but made, but but not in a way that was patronizing. He was his friend, and he you know and he so he knew that he wanted him if anybody to sort of help guide his son. Um, so. All of that stuff was in place. I knew that we would probably want a larger since, since the rules of the universe we created are established in this series, which means it's it's reality adjacent, but it's it's pushed into the weirdness enough that there's uh, it's not crazy extreme you know magic stuff. But you mentioned the Nazi villains. There's a there's a Nazi uh, mad science, mad doctor kind of type. Again very much a pulp 30s, 40s trope, you know, the yeah. mad doctor, right. um, uh who, who, I mean, you could go back, like people now would probably be surprised to go back and see some of the pulps of the 30s and 40s and, and how disturbing they are now to look at, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, it, like the weird doctors weren't like, not like what you would have seen in movies at the time, which were censored a lot more. I mean, you know, they're, they're draining blood from virgins and, you know, cutting off. I mean, it was, so, so we, we, this character is one of those, except he happens to be a Nazi since it's World War II. And then he uh, (laughs) he's got this this sort of group of what seem to be freaks that he travels with, but not again, not real world freaks. I mean, they're a step beyond like one character seems to have malleable bones and is like, which in design terms, I was actually looking at the art again for the first time recently because it's been so long, and uh just what Tony did with these characters, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Fantastic. I mean, it's at the time Tony was coming off of Ex Machina with Brian K. Vaughn, which was yeah. very real world based, and, and he actually used his more photorealistic photo reference style. So when we started this, he abandoned that and kind of went in this um stylized, exaggerated cut a little um, loose. Right, which which, as a reader and a generally, I kind of prefer stuff that's a little more stylized. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know. Otherwise, why are you reading comics if you don't want to push the envelope a little bit? So I
2: I love how you're very calmly uh, and concisely describing some like trippy, fucked up images over there. They really are,
4: dude. I'll tell you. I will say that it was. I mean, again, like you have, you know, you got all this stuff you've done. I've got piles of shit I've written over the years, and <laughs> and, and sometimes if it goes far enough back, you don't want to reread it because right. God knows. But but usually when I do read the older stuff, I realize, okay, I you know, it works. But the skull, I guess I hadn't like I haven't had a copy of the trade paperback forever. I've just had loose issues. So I uh, when I went back and read it, I was first struck by the art that Tony with oh, yeah. Dave McKay doing color. It's just, I mean, I love it. I mean, like I legitimately looked at it and was like, if I hadn't written this book, I would have tried to find Tony and Dave and told them how fucking awesome and just <laughs> the art was. It's so beautiful. Um, Agreed. but yeah, it is, it is definitely, there are, there's a scene that I keep thinking of where, uh, Nigel is attacked by a snake and he's terribly afraid of snakes, uh, which again, this is, a, this is the kind of scene that helps, illuminate Nigel's character, right? He's terrified. He's terrified of snakes. But his partner, William the Whistling Skull, is in danger, and his concern shifts there. And there's this scene where Tony's shot is from above, and he's ripping the snake in half with, like, snake bones and guts flying all over the place. And and I keep looking at that because I'd almost forgotten it, and I'm like, that's just... I didn't write that. I mean, that's awesome, you know? <laughs> so, um, so amazing. yeah, so so... To answer the question that was asked before, I rambled. Um, it, it, it was because we had kind of grafted those characters into what we had already had in mind. It wasn't that hard to remove them and kind of rework new, ver- you know, new characters, and then sort of shift a little bit. The um, it's the same basic. <laughs> their relationship to the skull exists still with different characters and kind of a different uh, perspective. So it was was really a case of just kind of tweaking some existing artwork, and then I went back and re-scripted some of the sequences to not just to wash out the DC elements, but to sort of re-establish our own um, skull universe. Because we'd love to, we originally intended to do like 40 issues, Oh, wow. Because I I said it was generational. We wanted to tell the story from beginning to end of this whistling skull, like from where he starts to where he ends. Um, So we have story in mind, you know, uh, places to go. And because it's a generational hero, there's, you know, you can go back and tell stories of previous skulls or future skulls. Um, yeah, um,
0: just to talk about the Zoop of it all. So it's not, for anybody who's listening, it's not live on Zoop yet. Uh, first of all, do you have a timeline for that?
4: So, yeah. It was going to go live today, but one of the kind of okay things that we talked to about Zoop from day one was that we're not, which they were proponents of, and we, we were like, we're not going to go live until we have all the elements in hand. Uh, mm. Actually, all the work. Sorry. The book is completely yeah. finished. And it's not that it wasn't finished, but like Tony, Tony painted a new cover for the trade or for this, mm. for the hardcover, which is a design he's had around for a long time because he had wanted to use it for the DC trade. But DC, I, I guess, didn't get the emails. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So um, I, by that point, I, you know, I don't, they weren't they weren't asking us. But um, so he's had the basic image forever, but he 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 did. A, it's a full painting. I mean, oh, that's uh, awesome. so, yeah, so he finished the painting and then there's the process because it's not just a small, you know, he had to scan it. And, um, and so we were going to launch today. As soon as that came in, he scanned it, came in later, scan, wasn't great. So, I mean, that's literally where we are. We're like, let's just make sure we have all our ducks in a row. Yeah. So you think, yeah. So he's trying to figure out, you know, he wants to get the best image he can from that and uh, everything else is in place. So it should go up tomorrow at some point. So there's, you know, okay. tomorrow oh, will be the oh. first. Order. Um. Yeah. And they came in. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh, all I was going to ask was, I don't know if you want to talk about this yet until it's live. But once it does go live, what can people expect from it? Obviously, they're going to get the book if they pledge. But what else will be available, or is that secret until it? I mean, it's I
4: just in general terms, and I'm going to we so from Tony and my perspective, like we, I don't think we know exactly what we're going to do with the material or the character once we got the rights back um, I'd kind of mentioned it to him a few times because I, it, it's there it exists it's been ten years um, I, I was surprised when I mentioned it that people who had followed me on Facebook or whatever you know who'd read all of my work who this seemed to be right up their alley I had some people tell me they'd never heard of them how did I miss that you know and so yeah. you never you never know it's As a comic creator, most comic creators seem to shy away from like promoting and pushing their stuff. I mean, we have this constant conversation about, um, you know, I'm sorry if I'm shoving this down your throat, you know, to people (laughs) who are following them because they're fans of their work. And I'm always like, I mean, that's why I'm following people whose work I enjoy. I want to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But um, so like this Zoop, who handles everything um, beyond the actual work, which is just amazing. Um, That's how, you know, they are the ones who were like, hey, you should do Comic Book Club. You know, they've lined, they've put me, I used to be a PR, like I was the PR and marketing coordinator for Image for for a year. So I, you know, I've had my time doing PR in the industry and all this, but uh, I still am like, wow, you you want me to do, an you know, I'm going to do another interview? You know, and then I realized there's not (laughs) that much. It's just such, I don't know why it's so hard to get to get saturated. I mean, you know, people, very few people are going to say, well, I've heard too much about that. I'm not going to
0: buy it yeah. out. <laughs> it's a whole psychological thing with comic. Well, creators. that was I mean, one ad too much. No, thank you. I'm good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: exactly. Wait, I mean, no, I read him. My
2: tweet limit, I can't handle one yeah. more.
0: I was talking to, a
2: uh, situation.
4: I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jeremy Hahn's work, but um, yeah. he, uh, he's an artist and writer who's done, Lots of great things, and he's he's been on a tour for a boom book that he's doing um like an actual like a book tour um and it was funny because i so the first thing we ever crowdfunded was a thing called Bad Karma, which was like this two hundred page um back there it's two hundred page hardcover
1: um i was gonna gonna
4: grab one of the two I have left
1: but um you you got a lot of amazing stuff it looks like back there you got a lot of <laughs> shit in very it's very sure. cool creative space that you have there. Yeah, go grab so yeah, it. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see so, this was, so this was the first thing we
4: did, right? Um, yeah. And let me tell you something. Here's the thing about comic creators, the ones who aren't shy. So you see this when a couple of years after this came out, we'd have it on tables and people would say, oh, you guys ripped off Jonathan Hickman's East. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was Jonathan Hickman designed this cover for us and then used this design for, for his book after the fact. <laughs> he was like, I mean, Hickman is the smartest guy in comics and, you know, we'd be like, well, no, it's actually, you know, but John's like, wait, we didn't pay him anything in fairness. Can be honest about it. So yeah. He's like, well, I might as well, you know, anyway,
2: um, that's so funny. It's great. It's, it yeah. becomes part of the story. Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. But um, so uh, I can't remember. Oh, so yeah. Um, Alex Gretchen is a writer who is a novelist. Who's also a comic book writer uh, did proof at image and he's done uh, Rasputin at image he was one of the four creators that kind of made up bad karma myself, Jeremy Hahn, Alex, and and Seth Peck, who's a writer. And uh, (laughs) Jeremy was going all over to all these shops and doing this. And Alex is a novelist said, and he's going (laughs) to, he said, it's almost like you're on a book tour. And then he immediately backed up and he said, I'm sorry, you are on a book tour. And it's like, and (laughs) I kind of, I I said, oh, comics. And, and, you know, I, I I'm like i'm joking but that is kind of you have to remind yourself that's what we're doing there's no reason we can't promote our yeah, shit like absolutely. other people promote their stuff yes, um absolutely. so zoop is zoop has been great with that yeah and
2: uh, if awesome. you it's funny you you're saying some people haven't read the original like what a perfect book to sort of unearth for people because it has <laughs> that like like weird tales quality uh, to it and that like sort of discovery like almost like this is too fucked up back in the day or like the arts get so crazy like it's really yeah.
4: nice. I mean I hope so. I yeah, I hope it resonates with uh, speaking, you know, the, the the problem with all of this is that um it's about reaching people who you know would be interested in it um because because it is a kind of book that I think might fall and I think a lot of the stuff with my creator-owned books kind of works like this because I'm not, I'll, I'm not doing straight, you know, superhero books all the time or what have you. You're always, like, Hawaiian Dick had this sort of, you know, we called it uh, tiki noir, right? So there's a whole culture of uh, tiki aficionados. Um, I mean, like a big community. You know, they have conventions yeah. and 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 so immediately back in the day, that was one of the first. Like secondary communities I matriculate I'm a fan of all that stuff but it it just feels like there's so many people out there that would enjoy what we're doing but we just are in in this little bubble where we're just talking to each other all the time so to your point I think this is a book that if somebody's willing to read comics and they have any affinity for weird stuff uh, noir pulp um, you know horror on a you know it's not on a massive scale but creepy shit, they don't have to have any frames of reference in terms of comics to enjoy it. Um, so yeah. hopefully it hopefully that happens to some degree.
0: Well, I definitely it's enjoyed soup. it back in the day, and I'm very excited that you're bringing it back. Uh, before we let you go, though, what else are you working on? Anything else you want to plug in particular, or is it just focused on Whistling Skull all the time?
4: The no, moment? I because the, the Whistling Skull came up, uh, so yeah. Tony and Zoop um, a couple months ago were like, hey, uh, you know, and and we had to do so little work to um, to to get it done that it, it promoting it is you know and the next over the next month or so I'll be talking a lot about it. I mean, the last thing I did, I have two like this may you may still be able to find miles to go, which is a book I did at aftershock that I'm yep. I'm very happy with and proud of. Um, again, it's it's a spy high concept assassin book with rooted in family relationships. Um, nice. what, what I'm trying to do better, even though it's always been kind of one of my focuses is use genre to tell bigger stories or more personal stories. You know, he, he um, t- Tony, not to ramble on, but Tony Harrison, James Robinson did Starman in the, in the nineties, which yes. was, which was probably the book that kept me reading comics when I was in college. Um, because it's, yeah because you know I, I'm glad the kids enjoyed the and, and as somebody who's done a lot of image work whatever but you know I you know what I'm saying it was the extreme era and all that stuff it was fun but so like things like things like Starman in terms of genre there was a lot there were a lot of independent and you know uh, novel acme novelty library you know and all this stuff, Dan Klaus and all that stuff. but in terms of superhero comics to have that book, which was so against the grain and really taught me that you could tell genre superhero stories, but also make them about character and and other things yeah. and not lose yeah. that, you know, um, so getting to create this book with Tony because that book was so seminal uh, and, and becoming friends with James Robinson, the writer um, who, who has always been super complimentary of my work. And I realized at one point that it's because we like our, Venn diagrams are on top of each other. You know, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I used to be so flattered, but then I'm like, well, that's because we do, like, we have the exact same frames of, you know, it's like sometimes, right. yeah, it's like maybe we're the only fans of each other <laughs> at this point. But, uh, um, but um, so Miles to Go is that. That that's it was out earlier this year, I think. I did a, a graphic novel from Insight Comics that COVID delayed and what have you, but it came out in June called Endless Summer uh, with Shane oh, White. Yeah. It's a uh, 60s youth culture spy, uh, not spy, but FBI's involved. Um, mm. And then after after that, um, right now what I'm working on is an artist named Mac Chater, who um, recently just did a Stranger Things thing, and he did uh, Briggs Land at Dark Horse. Um, he and I have been working on a political vampire horror thing for Oh. Since since pre-COVID. Um, and that um, will that's scheduled to be out at the end of next summer where they gave us, um, and we, you know, the publisher and title and all that stuff hasn't probably been officially announced. So but but they gave us this leeway. So we're going to build this and, and we'll have the first installment of that out at the end of the summer. Um, that's a book that we developed before COVID and before like January 6th and uh stuff we thought stuff we put in this book that we thought was pushing the boundaries of reality has been trumped by reality so uh, literally trumped. too fucked yeah, up yeah I, mean, I, I, I like i'm not saying that for political purposes i'm just saying i mean literally i'm i'm emailing mac i'm like holy shit you know this is worse <laughs> this is i mean this is crazier than um and so, anyway, it's been it's been it's been funny developing this during the course of things happening that are, people are going to read the book and think, oh, well, it's a direct analogy of, and we're like, no, we had this, um, and um, yeah, like one of the things Mag and I were talking about was how would the country, my, my, how could the country shut down? I kept thinking, what would paralyze the country, you know? And I was like, I can't think of anything, and my only thought was maybe if the internet was shut down. Well, then shit. Covid hits and like I'm I'm like holy shit the country just shut down and people it's like it's <laughs> one close to Mad Max in a week you know I mean uh, yeah so yeah. anyway that that book we've really we put get, a lot of we
2: got to get that monkey spot out of your hand if at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I just need to I
4: just need to direct it in a different uh,
2: exactly <laughs> smaller so and needs, we, man
4: <laughs> and Mac and I have uh, have just sort of developed a rapport uh, we just we work together well and we want to kind of start building a little library after that. So we've actually got a, uh, sort of a midnight detective, uh, high con- it's, I don't want to get, it's hard to explain without talking too much about it, but it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's kind of noir, um, detective thing, dark night, uh, Columbo meets Rockford Files meets uh, Night Stalkers, sort of. Um, nice. And uh, it's so it's Batman? It's as Batman. it stands. <laughs> no. It's it's, no, it's, it's um, I, I couldn't think of another analogy for bat, So you lost. So I road. Um, <laughs> it's Moon Knight. Um, but, um, <laughs> but we, uh, so anyway, so as it stands right now, I think that that's going to be like a series of maybe hardcover, uh, graphic, you kind of kind of like what Baker and Phillips do at image with, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. With their books. yeah. Um, Cause uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually, I'll be honest. That's kind of who we were as creators kind of, we love the way those guys work together and the, and the sheer volume of great things that they've done together. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so that's, those are the two things I'm, and I'm sure there's something probably more pressing that I can't think of that someone's waiting <laughs> on.
0: Hey, i'm excited about all that stuff that all sounds awesome good luck with whistling skull i'm very excited to check that out too when that launches hopefully tomorrow uh if tony harris can get his act together scan that shit tony yeah come on he he, he posted a photograph of it on facebook
4: but like he sent the scans and i was like wow did you really paint that that dark and then he immediately replied and said, oh, that scan looks like shit. I got to fix it. And then on Facebook, he'd like taken a picture with his phone. It was perfect. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 use like, use
0: that. Use that. We got to launch. Come on. I was
4: glad, I was glad to see it because I was like, okay, I knew that's what it was. You know, I, I didn't want to, yeah. like, really? Did we want it to look like mud? But um, it looks fantastic in, as the painting. So hopefully that comes together. But yeah. Awesome. Uh,
0: well, definitely looking forward to it. Congratulations in advance, and thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure chatting. Thanks for having me,
4: guys. Hope, hope, hope I hope I didn't uh, ramble too much, but no, that's great what to I got. Good stuff. All right. you all right. said
0: Starman. I was happy. Uh, there we go. Uh, all right, once again, it's the Whistling Skull, it's coming out from Zoop very soon, possibly tomorrow as we're taping, but I guess we'll see. And that was B. Claymore, and now. We're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question here on Crowdcast or in the comments over on YouTube, and we will get to them. But first, what Uh, is everybody drinking tonight? I know that Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullies, a.k.a. AKA CBC Chef, designed to drink based on a potato and Nat Townsend tonight. But is very sick. I did not make that, unfortunately. I'm sorry. It seemed like a delicious uh, drink. But uh, uh, yeah, what are you guys a
2: Variation on the hot toddy, which um, is very good. Just not something I can sit down at my laptop and drink two of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking some uh, red wine. I sort of uh, got a nice bottle for myself a Pomerol. Ooh, uh, looks
1: fancy. Is,
0: yeah,
2: very fancy. Loving it
1: uh is your wife gonna get pissed you're drinking the good stuff you know what i mean i mean that looks that looks expensive man
2: um yeah don't tell her this is uh the one place i'm pretty solidly sure she won't find out
1: (laughs) (laughs) pete what about you what are you drinking oh man only the top of the line for me bro look at this right here Mm -hmm. huh my brother's uh fridge speaking of we've got to be cool about this my brother's fridge is getting down to it was this or budweiser so I went with the light.
2: And he went with Miller Lite. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking a Southern Tier 2X Citrus uh, beer. mean two times. It, is, it does mean two times. It is 8.2% alcohol by volume. Alex. So, woo! Oh, there boy. We uh, but it's pretty delicious. It's like uh, basically like orange grapefruit soda beer. Very good stuff. Nice. There we go. Why don't we get to some questions? Simultaneously
2: old and young, <laughs> yeah, as always.
0: You <laughs> lost me a great All right, let's get into some questions here. This is from Edward Doherty. Alan Moore is an old grump, but mainstream comics have probably never been closer to legitimate art than when he was active. I recently found a quote from him and wanted your response. During an interview, he was asked what he thinks of the current corp of comics creators. He said a generation of fan artists and writers who were brought in as kind of scab labor because they would have had to paid. They would have paid to write Batman. Despite the wording, do you think there's something to the incestuous nature of fans writing to appeal to fans became fans after reading what other fans wrote? Mm. who once again Um, it's us versus alan moore go ahead yeah i mean i
1: i think that like where his argument falls apart is you got to you know kind of once you're in the door you then kind of have to prove yourself and write great stuff to kind of keep that going uh so i can understand like catering uh you know you're writing to something um uh is maybe not the best you you kind of want to write in your voice and kind of you know people want to hear your kind of take on things uh but you know i mean the people get jobs a lot of different ways you know i think it's you know once you do get the job however you get it you know what do you do with it and how good is it that's really what you should be judging on but that's just my take
2: I mean, I think comics from almost the very beginning were mashing up and taking what came before and finding something new. In fact, I think that's what Alan Moore is sort of best known for, is taking the superhero genre, uh, you know, mixtaping it up and then elevating the whole thing with like more mature themes and like uh, diving deeper into characters. So I think he is a little bit grumpy in general. I'd be curious if he really dug in and and read some stuff. There's just so many more comics now, so maybe he just needs to be pointed
0: well, That towards was the, the thing hits. that I was going to bring up, is not to pull the geek card on Alan Moore, but what's the last comic that he read? Like, I, yeah. I'm just curious. I would love to hear from him. Is he picking up Batman, Chip Zdarsky's Batman, and he's like, oh, this is a bunch of trash. I sincerely doubt it. I don't think Alan yeah. Moore has read comics in a very long time, but... And I agree with what both of you guys are saying, but I do think uh, like we kind of touched on here and like he's touching on, there is a kernel of truth in terms of once you get far enough afield of something, you do have fans writing about the thing. I always think about the Simpsons. I think that's one of the best examples of that, of like, you know, the first couple of seasons of the Simpsons where they're figuring it out. Conan O'Brien came on as the showrunner and it hit its heyday from, I don't know, season three through seven or something like that, whatever it is. Yes. And then. uh. Monorail, sure. And then you had years later, maybe a decade later, when the show is still running, you have people who grew up being like, oh, my God, I love The Simpsons. I can't believe that this is my dream job. I'm writing for The Simpsons. So they're basing that stuff on the fact that they love The Simpsons. So there is a photocopy quality to what's going on. But particularly with comics, I think like you were touching on a little bit, Justin, and I think also getting to the point that you were making Pete. There's a broad enough span of comics that, yes, that even if that's true for 90% of it, there's still that 10% that is pushing things forward and challenging things in some way. And I think that's true of any discipline. When you look yeah. at anything, yeah. 90% of it is bad to find to pretty good. And then there's like 10% and that's being generous. That's brilliant. And that's fine. Like, that's how it works out. Well,
2: like, I I would challenge, like, is Alan Moore repping 100% of the comic book industry from when he was working? Or is he repping the 10%, like you're saying, that is still, there's still a good 10% of comics that are, are, you know, revelatory and looking forward. But he's just not seeing that that's sort of always been the... The formulation.
0: Well, and he's also mostly asked about. So this is probably what he's talking about: superhero comics. He's not talking yeah. about what's happening at Image Comics or Top Shelf or anything like that, where there are people who are really challenging conventions and format um, or figuring out things. You know, there. Even when you go to mainstream comics, there's always something. That breaks through in a big way. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before, but Matt Fraction and David Aja's Hawkeye, just on a base structural level, created a new way of doing language in comic books that impacted everybody and still impacts people to the day. Or, Pete, I know you don't like this, but Jonathan Hickman's X-Men was super impactful, clearly. Yeah, we're still in that shithole. Not just with the X-Men, but with things in Marvel, things in DC, things in image comics. The way of mixing up text pages and ancillary information in the middle of the book is something that people have gotten very excited and glommed onto, And I don't think you can't dismiss that, you know?
1: Yeah, because it's like, man, you know, it's better than reading a comic, reading a novel. Let's put more of the novel in the comic. You know what I mean?
0: That's uh oh, Grumbler. We've
2: got our own Alan Moore on staff here.
0: <laughs> well, and to be clear, Pete has been as revelatory and impactful in the comic book industry as yeah, Alan Moore. Right. So I think it's fair for him to say that. Well, we got Pete's a question the here Alan Moore
2: on... of... Pete's the Alan Moore of TikTok now. So that's oh, what we oh my know.
0: god. Yeah, Pete, you should check him out on TikTok. He's laying down those dance moves and fat beats. That's not true. I'm old. All right, here we go. This is a question from uh, YouTube Steve Kwasniewski. I really messed that up. Sorry, Steve. It says in the bio of his new book of stories. Oh, uh, this is a follow up. In the bio of his new book of stories, Alan Moore describes himself as the best and most influential writer in the history of comics. Maybe he's being a little glib. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and Pablo asks, you guys have one. TikTok now? Yes, we do. TikTok, check us out. Comic Book Club Live. We do actually have a TikTok. There you go. Too uh, nothing
2: TikTok. wrong with having a TikTok. I, I absolutely my, not. Uh, another show I do is called Characters Welcome, and I do the characters hey, welcome. Don't, TikTok. don't blog
1: your other stuff right
2: now. It's you know? nice yeah. To yeah. and not to
0: blow up your spot, Pete. You put up. You asked to do a video, and it's very cute. It's Pete, like he's holding a towel in front of us. He jumps a couple of times, and the towel disappears, and he's wearing a bikini. But it's just a split second. So you it's, like, it's, I don't know
2: how he. I don't know how he did it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's that's very
0: not sexy not what baby. I'm doing. It's very sexy. Don't own it, Pete.
2: This is from Stop Kevin. Stop lying What's... to people to get <laughs> views. Pete, don't take your name off your TikTok to get just views. To you think Alan me
0: more. saying you in a bikini is going to get views for our TikTok versus people avoiding it as much as possible? I'm sorry, Harry man. This is from Kevin. <laughs> What's a Marvel or DC story you'd want to see redone as an unrelated comic without the Marvel or DC elements?
2: Ooh, huh. nice.
0: Ooh. secret wars i'd love to see just a bunch of guys fighting on a planet <laughs>
2: hey watch the news man
0: watch No, watch the,
1: the news. news check out the news bro i mm.
2: think that's called regular war
1: Alex. yeah regular
4: thinking, war
2: yeah. secret war yep uh, i mean that's a tough uh, i'm trying to think uh like the uh some of that some of the alan moore stuff some of the like classic uh what was the uh the superman story uh what do you get for the man who has everything or if it's not the right title but the um the blossom that grows in out of your heart and awesome uh, blossom and, yeah awesome blossom yeah yeah <laughs> definitely blooming onion the blooming <laughs> onion yeah yeah, yeah blooming onion
0: right they put a fried onion on Superman's chest and he goes it <laughs> eats it and i, it I think for song. me
1: it's it's marvel zombies So that's just a regular zombie movie. (laughs) (laughs) Great.
2: Great. This is giving great answers. Deeply insightful
0: answers. Yes. This last one here is from Stray Bullet. If you could bring back a character who has seemingly fallen away into oblivion and people have forgotten about, who would you bring back? Jack Knight? Cypher? Stray Bullet's being mean, but Cypher is vitally important to the X-Men franchise right now.
2: Yeah, he sits on the tree and is like, I'm in charge of this sexual island. Mm-hmm. He yeah. talks to the trees. He's like, and, I speak uh, for the
1: trees. Uh, he does. Um,
2: he does. He speaks literally for the trees. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, the, I mean, Jack Knight Starman is one that um, there's a new Stargo book that just came out today. And I love seeing elements of this character that I love. But now the Cosmic Rod basically talks which is not what i want to see um, so i would like to see some classic starman brought back even though that story was well told and fully finished yeah um, i bet i bet james robinson will come back for you think so well because i mean starman's all about nostalgia and legacy and about like fathers and sons And I think the book ended with um, him having a kid. and uh, Mm -hmm. So I I do think there's a lot of potential there for legacy and an aging
0: Jack Knight and what that all means. Yeah. All right. And that is it for your audience questions. (laughs) We're going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All
1: right. Well, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics or Long John Silver for some reason. Oh, and, uh, he added it. We got him. And uh, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, you want to be first hand up guy on YouTube or uh, on Crowdcast. Yeah, just here. say me or
0: hand up or anything like that. We'll bring you into the stream if you're on Crowdcast. If you're over on YouTube, you can just say me and we'll do it in the comments. It'll be very awkward and terrible, but we'll do it anyway. Yeah, we'll do um, it anyway. Just so, like Long John Silver.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just like eating it long John so, mm, straight bullets. Well, so we got Nat a shout out.
0: Yeah. Nat should do it. Nat's sick. That's yeah. the problem. I think Everybody's Nat is sick less right now. sick
2: now. But he, we have to see. He sometimes steps away from his
0: computer in the middle of the show.
1: Or do you guys yeah. want to Anybody? do it? We'll just uh, uh, uh
0: no, sure no, we can do it. We could do it for a charity. Yeah, there you go. Maybe uh should we donate to old Warnock? Over
2: there?
0: Uh, uh, down for it. Yeah, there we go. Rafael, he's Senate. cool but rude.
2: Please vote yes, for the cool but go. rude candidate.
0: Why don't we do that? We're going to do it for him because it would be really nice to... I know Democrats already have a majority. Not majority. They have... Majority? Is it a majority in the Senate?
2: Well, it, we yes, because yes. of the tie-breaking vote. This would be the 51st, right. so there would be no yes. tie-breaking
0: votes. It'll, it'll give them a little buffer room for the whole... Uh, cinema thing yeah nice. uh, all right really well, let's do, do it, it. <laughs> yeah we're gonna donate 25 bucks to that take it away pete all right today's trivia is on topical
1: comic news and a small nod to the legend kevin conroy r.i.p
0: best, best batman i was nice. i was literally gonna lose my mind if you didn't do that Pete. well there was he a lot of people way. who died dude all right it's been crazy. i i know i let him jump the line so thank you for ju- letting him jump the line do we want to mention that really quick while yeah, we're here good. yeah uh just uh I, I know we put up a video on youtube but uh, kevin conroy uh shockingly passed away uh late last week we i'm gonna turn off the music here yeah. 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 <laughs> Although it does Batman. feel a little Batman-esque. Yeah, i got to put away the trivia music. Uh, so Kevin Codroy um, came on our live show twice, I think. And yep. we may yep. have interviewed him at least one or two more times. A couple more times, yeah. Yeah. I, obviously, like we didn't know him on a personal basis or anything like that, but we did spend a couple of hours with him. And he was a lovely human being. He was a lovely, like, earnest. One, one of the people few people in my life i think i've met that is like seems like exactly what he is like he loves batman and he loves the fans and he loved doing what he was doing and that was all on display but and also sometimes scene. when people kind of
1: like rise uh you know they kind of rise above it a little bit you know what i mean like they've been in movies and television and all sorts of things so if you want to have a talk show that we put together on the fly they're not really down for, you know what i mean the fact that like we were like you would it be cool like we think this would be funny and he was game for it he you know game. like he was willing to you know swear in the batman voice and open yeah. up and <laughs> tell his 9-11 story which we went on to share with other people but like yeah it was amazing the first time we heard that and just the fact that you know, he was very professional and had an amazing uh, uh, background and was an unbelievable classically trained actor Um, still was super goofy and would let us see that side of him was, you know, just not putting on airs or fronts or being like, I'm only this. It was just, it was just super amazing to work with somebody who was that uh, on such a level uh, also willing to kind of play with us was just, uh, very, very moving, and uh, it just made him so much cooler on on top of all the other amazing things he had accomplished in his life.
2: Well, I think what you said about him being, like, he was an actor's actor. You know, he, like, when he wanted to come hang out with us, it was like, yeah, let's put on a show, and let's. he wanted to just be in front of the fans, and uh, that was very cool. The way we got connected to him is... Um, a comedian I went to college with, and we were on the improv team at Hamilton College, uh, Selena Kopik is Kevin's cousin. And wow. so she randomly was like, hey, um, I know you're doing this. And this was sort of in our earlier days of doing comic book club. She's like, hey, I, I saw you doing this comic book thing. Uh, my cousin is the uh, voice of Batman. Would that be something weird? I was like, oh my God, <laughs> how did we not? <sighs> yes, uh, yes. Uh, and it was... It was so cool. It was, I texted her immediately um, when I saw the news online. And she was very upset. It did, He was only 66, like very yeah. young to yeah. die. Left behind uh, his husband, who is like distraught, but really like loving all the attention that Kevin's getting since he passed. So um, keep it going if you're still feeling it out there. And the thing I want to say about him from my perspective is like, it's crazy. He is... He's a defining voice of one of the most popular characters in all of culture. Like his voice, and it's there have been so many versions of Batman and so many big, bigger budget versions and more, much more recent versions. But pound for pound, he's the voice of yeah. Batman, specifically Bruce Wayne, and like in through the humanity of Bruce Wayne that he brought to that character and made the animated series and all the other versions of animated Batmans that he played just resonate so hard and connect hard. Batman, a character that I think is sometimes, especially in the, the feature films, you're like, ah, I don't really connect with it. I, I like watching it and it's the action's good, but I'm not connecting with this character. And he brought that every single time he said those, the words. And it, it's just such a, one of those losses that you're like, you feel your shoulders sink because you're like, oh, I won't have that. Selfishly, yeah. I won't have that anymore.
1: Also, it was really interesting to see, like, Mark Hamill talk about, like, his connection with him and how he helped shape the Joker and because he was such an amazing Batman that really led to things that he found with the Joker that just, things that I didn't know that, that just kind of blew me away that was just such a, just an unbelievable, I was like, oh yeah, of course, like, but just, just so amazing, so sad.
0: Yeah, just one other thing that I wanted to bring up that, Justin, you mentioning what you just did reminded me of, not to bring up our TikTok again, but I did post the video of his appearance, which was taken by Tamer Dar back in the day. He used yep. to, like, just come oh, the Oh, Spidey show 616? And vi- yep. Spidey 616 and videotaped the show, and I'm so glad he did because... Nerdist took down the video of our show, so that's not available, but his video is still available. So I excerpted the 9-11 story and put it up on TikTok. The majority of the comments, we got a ton of comments on it and people being like, I'm so sad, rip Kevin Conroy, etc. But like good fifty percent of the comics were comments were when I read Batman comics, the voice that I hear is Kevin Conroy's yeah. voice. Yeah. So yeah. Obviously, he's gone. It's awful that he's gone, but it really does feel like he's going to live on for everybody forever through every iteration of Batman, and that's incredible.
1: Yeah, I went down a real Batman the Animated Series hole after he died and I haven't come out yet. So anyway, um, all right. Uh, Guys, please listen to all three options before making your selection, okay? (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Question number one. And I saw Zalbs uh, tweeted about this, but but I'd already started working on this question. So I don't want anybody to feel that there's a connection here. Who is making her Marvel comics? I did not. How dare you? I was first, okay. you fucking topical decent. is Alex
2: tweets for you, right, Pete? That's where you get yeah. your news.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh I you know, I always go to the same place, but it wasn't it's not Alex's tweets. All right. Who's making a Marvel Comics debut with Scarlet Witch number one coming out in January, when, written by Steve Orlando? Is it A Lewis Darcy, B Darcy Lewis, or C John Ratzenberger? <laughs> and I'm not giving you guys hints on this.
0: I didn't.
2: Uh, well, it, it's uh, it's also crazy <laughs> that you're like Alex tweeted about. I probably cheated. Only one of these answers ever would make sense in a million
1: years. Uh,
2: Darcy Lewis, right?
1: You are correct, sir.
2: The wow. character from the, the MCU.
1: Cat, cat, Denny. cat! Come on, you know I'm on it. All right, here we go. Question number two. JT Four will be bringing back what Substack comic to Dark Horse? Obviously, when I say JT four, I'm talking about James Tynan the fourth. Is it mm, A. Okay. Tiny Onion, B. Long Shallot,
0: or C. Shelly Long? Mm, you could be talking about John Turturro. Just imagine.
2: That's true. I thought you meant my um, my few, four sons uh, in succession from me would be JT four.
0: <laughs> We're not Is that. What you mean? Everybody. Nope. Uh, you got all uh, girls. Tiny so Onion. I I'm gonna say Tiny Onion. On. Tiny onion. Yep, you are that, correct. That makes wow. sense. Great. Okay. Okay, there we
1: Great. All right, here we go. Last one. In honor of Kevin Conroy, they uh the 20 2020 Pride issue with his story in it is now free on which platform? Is it A, the DC website, B, where George or C, George went? Hmm.
2: I'm gonna <laughs> great question. <laughs> You're losing it.
1: You're yeah. losing it, dude. You're like yeah. really. I gotta shit say,
0: up. the DC website. Is that you right? are correct.
1: Yeah, if wow. you go to the DC website right now, you can see the uh, Pride issue number one. The 2020 is free for everybody now, and uh, it's got his story in there. And it's uh, it's a, n- a great issue, so it's a win-win for
0: everybody. Wow, Read Raphael Warnock, out in our audience, he watches live every week. Is probably pumping his Huge. fist in joy right now. He's yeah, got that $25 dollar on the race. Gift card to Long John Silver is coming his way. <laughs> <laughs> he wants the gift
1: card. Do you guys know uh, what TV show or movie I'm talking about? I'm
2: going to guess the TV show since you never say TV show otherwise except for right now you said TV show. going to say
0: Batman the animated series? No. No. Hmm. Whatever. Shelly Long,
1: George Went, come on. What were we talking about? Yeah, he was on two episodes of Cheers. Hilarious. Wow. wow! I didn't know that. It was really cool. He's an out. actor. Yeah. He's he's an actor's actor. Oh yeah, for sure. It was fun to see um, a bunch of uh his old stuff that I've been going down a rabbit hole with. But you know, man, you dude, you got dude, Kevin in that. the
2: comments roasting you, saying I don't think Shelly Long was still on Cheers when he guessed it. Ah,
1: ah! It said for was- his episode she was in there, so fuck you, Kev. Well-
0: <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, Marisa. nude comic books are coming out all the time. What are you guys looking forward to? Pete. Did you say you nude
2: comic books are coming out all the time?
0: Uh yeah, they got no covers or anything. I go in, I rip the covers off, and I'm like, hello. Don't, don't hurt the art. Hello. Uh, speaking of
1: ripping covers, uh Shirtless Bear Fighter number two, mm. number four. Um, and then uh Something Is Killing the Children, number twenty six, is what I'm looking forward to.
0: Great. Justin, what about Great. you?
2: Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed a lot of books that we um, will be talking about in the near future. Um, Chroma number one from Image Comics, um, set in a post-apocalyptic world where uh, monsters sense color. So all the humans that survive have to erase any sort of color. Uh, Really enjoyed, um, really going to enjoy that. Got to give a shout out to Nightwing number 98, uh, which is, I don't know how this book can change tones as much as it does and still be fantastic, but it is.
0: I will give a shout out to I Hate Fairyland number one. I was very interested to check that out from Scotty Young and Brett Bean. This is a return to the classic Scotty Young series about a girl named Gert who is sucked into fairyland and can't escape and goes steadily insane and murders everybody. Now she's As you would. As you would. As you would. So excited to see that return. Excited to see what the new story is. All of those titles are going to be in our Stack Podcast that comes out Wednesday at 9 a.m. in the Stack feed and also the Comic Book Club feed. And folks, that is it for this week's shoes. Yeah! A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Sean Jackson for coming on. Check out Marvel Mazes out right now from Chronicle Books. Oh, please also, do. B. Clay Moore for coming on. Check out on Zoop. Yeah. The Whistling Skull should be live very soon. Next week, we're going to have Mike Davenport here. He's the lead writer and creative director for Marvel Universe Online, a fan-created... Marvel Universe RPG, very curious to talk talk more about that, should be very interested. Uh, Also, the Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, check that out every Thursday, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, bunch of episodes coming up soon, including Wakanda Forever, I promise that is coming, we are going to tape it, patreon.com slash comic book club, support this, wow, support this show and all the shows we do, subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, Or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Take care of yourself.